This is Bragging Rights, a show all about college football, where the conversations are lively, the topics are trivial, and the hosts are semi-knowledgeable. And now, here are your hosts, Madison and Pierce. Welcome in to another edition of Bragging Rights. September is almost over. Football season is in full swing, and we are here to break down all of week four. Before we get into it, I need to introduce my co-host. I'm Madison, and I'm joined, as always, by my brother, Pierce. Pierce, how are you? Ooh, I am uh, I am, I'm riding the struggle bus. Um, I am busy day at the office today. Uh, going to be a busy uh, next 24 hours. I got a lot of work to do after this, so head spinning a little bit and it's uh certainly no thanks to uh to the games and and how things unfolded on saturday boy uh i didn't have such a hot week you kind of called it we we were opposite on a lot of picks and uh a lot of the picks i was very confident in just really struggled i think if you were a team say cincinnati that did not play uh this past saturday you were a winner of the week because a lot of chaos happened um excited to dive into it and break things down for you yeah, we said it already a couple times now. This feels very chaotic. This feels uh, very reminiscent of 2007. This weekend, Pierce, coming up, I don't want to give away too much. We'll get into it uh, with our preview podcast. But uh, this weekend kind of really is going to solidify a couple of things, the big one being whether or not the whole field is open or whether there truly is two teams at the top and a big drop-off to the rest of the competition. Uh, so I'm very, very excited for this slate of games. I will say I don't think we've had a bad week yet. I think that uh, every single week we're, we're – surprised or affirmed that it's a good slate of games. Um, so I, I've been loving this season. Uh, you and I, obviously, we're not going to talk about this because we didn't um, preview it, but you and I witnessed a, an unadulterated murder uh, on Saturday with the George Bulldogs and the Vanderbilt Commodores. A uh, little funny story about that. I don't know if you heard this yet, Pierce, but after the game, you know how it is. I was with the old folks, and they wanted to stay the whole game. I know you pieced out a little bit before uh, it actually ended. Um, and so we stayed the whole time, and then they ran into some people, and uh, we, we wandered out and actually ended up on the uh, on the field, Vanderbilt's field, took a couple photos and stuff. And then we just happened to exit, and you know how Vanderbilt is set up. It's kind of like a high school stadium. So we exited on the other uh, corner of the end zone, and uh, guess where that filters you out? with the players. So we, we went out with the, uh, in the tunnel where all of the kids and fans were waiting to see the players. Um, and it was funny. People were like giving high fives, taking pictures, getting autographs and stuff. And then there was a bunch of really, um, nerdy people walking through the tunnel. Like, Hey, look at this. We're, we're, we look like coaches. We didn't look like coaches, but uh, our dad sure wanted to act like one. Uh, so that was kind of fun, a, a unique experience. But, yeah, an un- unadulterated murder, uh, our Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, really quickly, anything to say about that one? Because I know we got a lot of dog fans that listen to us. Uh, I mean, yeah, it was you kind of knew what was going to happen. Uh, maybe not to that extent, but – yeah, you just knew that Vandy was going to really struggle to do much of anything on the offensive side of the ball, and uh, it was really more of a fact of uh, or a question for me of does the team come out fired up and ready to play? You know, do they take a few plays off here and there, um, which would obviously scare me for upcoming games. That's not the, a, a sign of a an elite championship team, but they came out and they they did their thing and got a lot of got a lot of young guys work and um, certainly was able to take the foot off the throttle. Uh, you know, about halftime, so. 
Um, solid little tune-up heading into next week, which will be a big one. Absolutely. Well, let's jump into the games we did preview, Pierce. Uh, we previewed 10 games like always, and uh, we're here to, to kind of let you know how it went. Now, before we get into it, you already uh, you know told us you didn't have a great week. You want to let us know how we did on our picks? We were very opposite. I'm yeah, very happy I mean, today. I've been doing pretty well this, which is a nice change. I, I think if we look back on the records, I, I know I have last year's. I believe you normally edge me out in these pickems for whatever reason. Um, I, I blame that on it being so early uh, in the week that I let everything kind of simmer in my head and bake like an easy bake oven until on you know Friday or Saturday I'm ready to fire. So a lot of times my picks are slightly different when it comes to where I'm investing. Um, but yeah, I went three and seven, not, not great. Um, and, and you went seven and three, you called it last Let's week. Go. You knew that you knew that, uh, you know, there, we have these weeks every, every few weeks we have a, a week where we are opposite on, on the majority and you know, it can go either way. And it, it did not go my way this week. It was, it was coming. It was coming. Thank, thankfully though, one of those three picks winners were one was an easy peasy to save me from, from going in the exact opposite direction as last week. So, um, but we'll, we'll, we'll get into that here in a sec. Absolutely. Well, the first game that we want to talk about, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish 41, the Wisconsin Badgers 13. This game happened in Soldier Field. Game day was there, uh, and it was the Jack Cone revenge game. Now, he did get hurt, uh, but the Fighting Irish came up victorious against his former team. Now, prior to leaving with uh, an apparent lower leg injury, Cone was decent, and it was enough to get done. Nothing to really, like, wow or, you know, something spectacular, but it's about what Jack Cone's been doing all season long. Uh, the Badgers, on the other hand, are continuing to sputter offensively. Graham Mertz, Jack Cone's replacement uh, there in Madison, was abysmal. He threw for four interceptions and completed less than half of his passes. Not, not a good day if you are a Badger fan. Uh, now, the Irish do have issues as well, Pierce, and I'd like you to speak into that a little bit, uh, but they've been able to remain undefeated as we head into a big-time matchup this weekend with Cincinnati. You already alluded to it. Cincinnati didn't see action last week, so they're going to be nice and rested and ready to head into South Bend, um, and that's going to uh, basically be a playoff game. Uh, either of those teams probably not going to lose another one uh, if they lose that one, or if they win that one, they're probably not going to lose the rest of their uh schedule couldn't think of words for a second so this is a big big game for both of them but that's not what we're here to talk about we're here to talk about uh what notre dame and wisconsin did on saturday uh, my bragger of the week pierce the notre dame linebackers namely jake kisser i think i'm saying that kaiser kisser and drew white who both had pick sixes in the game uh, like i said utter domination by the fighting irish uh so what did you see here break this one down for us well, yeah, you know, I, I will go ahead and say, don't let the score completely fool you. Um, this game was a lot closer uh, as far as the scoring goes, um, really up until, I mean, Notre Dame had four, uh, you know, or 17 points in the final 330 of the game, including two pick sixes. So um, do with that what you will. It was another domination, though, regardless of um, whether they get those two pick sixes or not to end the game. Um, you know, I think, uh, I think, Drew Pine came in quarterback after Jack Conan really, you know, that there, there are moments throughout every game where just for, for, you know, being unfortunate or just in the wrong place at the wrong time and Cone gets hurt where the momentum has a chance to flip to the other side. And it's not even about the play necessarily that just happened. Um, and, and when your starting quarterback goes down like that, that is one such instance. And Drew Pine was able to step in there. He didn't have to do too much, but came in and went six for eight and, 
you know, threw, uh, threw for about 80 yards and, and had a touchdown. And so he kind of, it was a pretty quick, easy proof to, uh, and confirmation to the rest of the guys, Hey, we still got a guy back here can, that can do his thing. Um, and on the flip side, boy, you know, I don't know what they're, what Wisconsin's going to do at quarterback, but it's, it's very clear that it's almost like in the NFL when you see a quarterback, like say a Sam Darnold with the jets who looks, is just making some crazy mistakes and looks lost but the tools are there and then he goes to another program and figures it out, whether it's the system or the coaching, you know, being able to get in his head. It, fe- it feels like he just needs a chain of, change of scenery, to be quite honest with you. Uh, it's not working there. Um, and it's unfortunate because I, I, I had high praise uh, for him last year and really thought he had a chance to win the Heisman for uh, Wisconsin at some point in his career. But, uh, but you know, when you look at it, Notre Dame thoroughly dominated this game. And, and, and especially when you get two pick sixes. Oh, and by the way, you win the special teams battle from a stand. They they returned a kickoff for a touchdown. When those things, you you tell you tell someone that those three things are going to happen for your team. Ninety nine percent of the time, you're going to go. Well, we win that game. So, um, a lot of the uh, other things, the good defensive plays and uh, the special teams really helped out um, to kind of blow the, the doors off this one. So, surprised Wisconsin's in uh, deep trouble. Uh, their season is on the line, and now you got to wonder. Maybe I wrote off this Notre Dame team a little early and thought they were going to be pretty poor. I'm not ready to hop on the bandwagon yet, but, um, you know, somebody arguing could, could uh, it'd be hard for me to really, really argue against it. Yeah, but, you know, the funny thing is, Pierce, is, is we saw them go down to overtime in Tallahassee and, and by all accounts probably should have lost that game. Now, Florida State's 0-4 and looks terrible. Uh, and then they're, you know, yeah, they're not necessarily handing it to them all four quarters, but but a great final score and a pretty um, handed victory there against Wisconsin. It's just one of those years. It, it, this is why I'm enjoying it so much. It's just one of those years where it really truly is anybody's game. So, you know, I'm, I'm very excited to get into our preview with, uh, with uh, Notre Dame and Cincinnati because these, I don't, I don't trust Notre Dame fully yet. I'm getting there, but I don't trust them fully yet. Um, all right. Two teams I definitely don't trust. The LSU Tigers, 28. Mississippi State Bulldogs, 25. This game uh, felt like a playoff of different sorts. It would, it's more so who's going to be in the bottom half of the SEC West. And at that rate, the SEC. Um, and the other person, you know, while they might not be, uh, you know, playoff contenders salvage a season uh, two teams that didn't have great 2020 seasons um and now you know who might be able to be on the quote-unquote men this is kind of felt like a little bit of a turning point for one program whereas the other program is going to find themselves down in the dumps lsu comes out on the uh front end of that one um listen with a mike leach style offense your qb is always going to put up video game numbers uh, that happened again with the bulldogs but the tigers were prepped this time and were able to keep the dogs from scoring uh, more than they did. 25 points is is not a lot, but for an SEC team, you know, hey, you'll take it. Um, while methodical on offense, you know, LSU's got some issues as well, but they were able to get it done this year. Obviously, last year, the first game of the season was a uh, Mississippi State clinic, uh, and we know how the story went that uh, the rest of the season. My bragger of the week in this game, Kayshawn Boutte. He is a, a receiver for LSU who caught four for the Bayou Bengals, including two touchdowns. You got to like that when 50% of your catches are touchdowns. He continues to have a pretty good season. Not a ton that I could point to. Otherwise that I thought to myself, these are great standouts. It was a really ugly game, um, but LSU gets it done. Break it down for us, Pierce. What did you see? It was, uh, it was another game where Mississippi state from an offensive production standpoint was able to put up numbers. 
And yet the scoreboard tells a totally different story. And um, it's starting to kind of blow my mind. I mean, I guess I do get it when you kind of live on the edge there, as Mike Leach teams do. Um, you throw it around that much, you're going to have a lot of quick three and outs or, you know, drive stall um, when you don't have a, a, a um, you know, a, a consistent running game, even though their running game wasn't terrible. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um but yeah, I mean, give LSU credit. They went into a hostile environment and uh, and, and faced a pissed off Mississippi State team. And, um, you know, they, they, they themselves, I mentioned it last week, they themselves were also pissed off. Remember, they got embarrassed by this Mississippi State team to open the season last year at home. And it's pretty much all anyone's been able to talk about all season, all last year and into this year. And far as far as, boy, well, what did, how did Mississippi State do that? To, like, what in the world happened there? Um, certainly think Mississippi State left a lot of points out there and, and probably – you know, they could have won this game. Uh, but at the end of the day, when when you play from behind, you're not going to win as many times as you lose. And that's just a fact of the matter, especially when you're playing good teams. Max Johnson had a, had a pretty darn good game, uh, pretty efficient, 17-27 and 27 for 280 and four TDs and only one pick took care of the football. And, um, you know, LSU's defense, even though it was kind of a bend but don't break, they, um, you know, got to give them kudos for holding the Mississippi State offense to 28. Uh, but man, I, another game I was wrong about. I thought Mississippi State had the better team, and I uh, thought they'd be able to put up more points. Uh, that's the name of the game, and they they just couldn't. And and I also thought their defense has been solid all year, and I thought they would really kind of stifle this LSU offense. But uh, maybe maybe LSU's making a little move up. I'm certainly not saying uh, they're in the you know top three of the West, but um, certainly make maybe maybe they're showing some fight here towards the uh, midway of the season. So. Uh, but but quite shocked by this outcome. Boston College, 41, Missouri, 34. Now, Eli Drinkwitz, uh, he had a little bit of something to say. Not like he was talking smack against the Eagles, but he just had something to say prior to the game um, to the press talking about how he didn't really understand why they were playing this game, wishing they were playing a regional uh, rival, not having to go all the way up to Boston. And I get that. Uh, you know, this isn't a necessarily sexy matchup. It is one we don't see very often. Um, but hello, Eli, it's not like you're this great recruiting guy, you know, Hey, we want to play a regional matchup because we want to be able to, to recruit, you know, bring recruits in and stuff like that. I get that, but you gotta, you gotta then put your money where your mouth is. And he fails to do that. Uh, his Missouri Tigers go into Boston and lose this one. Now the Tigers did mount a comeback to send it to overtime, but they ultimately came up empty, uh, despite a solid day from Connor Basilek. Uh, a couple of interceptions being the main issue there for the Missouri quarterback. Uh, my bragger of the week, I don't have a ton to say here about this one, as you can tell, but my bragger of the week, Pierce, is a uh, backup quarterback for the Eagles, Dennis Grossel. Grossel. Still don't know how to say that. Uh, he <laughs> he came in, obviously, for Phil Dracovic. He is the stud quarterback from the Eagles who is hurt, and he went 18 for 29 for 125 yards and two touchdowns. Enough to get it done. Nothing, nothing, you know, scoreboard lighting up, but enough to get it done. Uh, and, uh, he is able to take down Eli and his comments about, uh, you know, having to go all the way to Boston. So good on Boston college, not a ton to say here, but the golden Eagles, I believe are now undefeated still. Um, maybe I'm wrong about that. Uh, but you know, Hey, Connor Bazelak, pretty good talent. That's going by the wayside there from Missouri. Would you, uh, would you like, would you not like about this one? Uh, well, you'll sense a theme here. Um, another one that I picked incorrectly. I thought Missouri was going to be able to put up, uh, put up points. And I, I, I did not expect, do you remember 
uh, a few years back, um, gosh, I guess it was more like five years or six years now when Missouri came in and, and made those goofy signs about grown man, you know, about, you know, old man football and Georgia went in there, just sliced and uh-huh. diced them. Well, they yep. just let Boston College do that to him. And that was the difference in this game, along with the two picks. Those were very costly and obviously hurt. But their inability to to, to stop the run right now is is really, really hurting them. And it's hurt them for years, um, to be quite honest with you. They've had solid defenses, um, but never once. You know, they had some good players and they p- kind of played well as a cohesive unit, but never a complete D. And, and boy, right now it's showing, especially uh, – on the lines of scrimmage and, 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 you know, at the linebacker spot. And they generally have had some good linebackers. I know they lost, I think it was Bolden last year, but um, you know, when, when, when a kid, uh, I think his first name is Pat. Um, yeah. Pat Garwo. Great name. Love that name for BC goes for 175 and, and a, an average of seven yards of carry. That's, that's, that's troubling. That's, it's going to be hard to control the clock. It's going to be, even when you do score, you're probably going to score pretty quickly and put your defense right back out there exhausted. So um, Boston college had a game plan. They stuck with it and were able to pull this one out. It wasn't pretty. Um, There certainly were some, uh, some, some moments where you thought BC wasn't going to pull this one off, but this was kind of your classic college game where the ebbs and flows, the ups and downs, and then ultimately in in, in overtime in a crazy way um, they're, they're able to, to eke it out. So even without Jer- Jerkovic, oh, I screwed that up. Jerkovic, um, you're close. Golly, I, I brought it up again. It's just that, that haunt that word that name haunts me to this day. Um, but yeah, Jerkovic, uh, you know, even with him being out, BC was able to write the ship and and get a pretty good win for them, uh, albeit at home. So uh, Missouri back to the drawing board, and Drinkwitz needs to figure this out. Absolutely, another coach that needs to figure it out is Gary Patterson in Fort Worth. The SMU Ponies. <laughs> The SMU Mustang, sorry, 42, TCU Horn Frogs. I'm laughing because of the face Pierce just made, 34. Uh, now, put some respect on the Pony Express. This is their third consecutive year with a 4-0 start. Uh, if they go 8-0, I think that will be back-to-back seasons 8-0. Uh, and Tanner Mordecai is leading the nation in touchdown passes with 20 so far on the season. Now, it wasn't perfect for the Mustangs quarterback, but it was enough for this fast-paced offense to outpace a solid offensive performance for the Frogs. The part that he needs to figure out, Pierce, and the reason I said that about your uh, your alma mater is Gary Patterson usually has stout defenses, and now they have two games where they've given up over 400 yards. They've only played three games this season. They, they were on a bye the week before. Uh, they have two games with over 400 yards given up. That's not something you're used to seeing from Gary Patterson's defense. Um, and it's something they're going to need to figure out as they, as they get into big 12 play more and more, not that the big 12 looks super formidable, but still you've got some, some offenses that can be explosive. My bragger of the week, this game, Pierce Ulysses Bentley, the fourth running back for SMU had 20 carries for 153 yards and one touchdown. Uh, just a, just a name that you don't hear enough, but is always very solid. Um, and, and I hope that he gets more exposure down the stretch. I think both Tanner Mordecai and Ulysses Bennett, the fourth are, uh, very, some of the best offensive players in the nation. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit of Heisman chatter around them, especially in a year where it looks like the field's not very good. Um, but, but, but all in all pony express gets it done in Fort worth wins the iron skillet in the hundredth matchup between these two teams. All right, break it down. You you gave me a face, so talk about it. Tell me why I'm wrong. Well, you're not n- totally wrong. I I don't think uh, the the. I mean, I know it does fall on Patterson at the end of the day being the head coach, but I, I just shake my head because he is uh, probably got the best job security of anyone in college football, and he gets the most out of really 
Um, not all that much down there, but you you know, the big thing in this game was, uh, and a lot of people are questioning, it, it looked like TCU's defense just, just quit, just didn't, didn't care to go out there and play physical and, uh, specifically on the lines of scrimmage in that line, the tackling was atrocious. Um, listen, when you play an SMU team who, who is known for throwing the ball over the yard, that's really the only way they're able to get things done. Um, and, and, and you let SMU's quarterback, you only allow him to give up 245 yards or get 245 yards on through the air. You go, Oh my God, we win that game. To allow two 100-yard rushers to a team that is not necessarily known for running over the big boy teams, um, it's it's pretty appalling. It's pretty embarrassing. Um, even at this score of forty, uh, you know, forty-two, you still would have thought at TCU would have been able to kind of hold up with them. But the inconsistencies of Duggan right now, um, and and it's been that way his whole career. Kind of reminds me of Sam Ellinger. I know Sam Ellinger had a great career, but he had those games where it just was like, what, you, what what's going on here? And Duggan certainly has those moments in those games, and it's 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 frustrating. It's it's tough to watch, and uh, yeah, they're they are now in pretty big trouble. They've got, I believe, they've got Texas this weekend, um, which is right. not not a good spot. Uh, maybe you could say it's a look ahead game, even though that SMU is a big rival. Um, you know, not necessarily thought of as a big you know big 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 game for some of the players. They're they're certainly looking towards Texas, but. Um, that's no excuse, and and golly, especially when you're just beaten physically on both lines of scrimmage and and on both sides of the ball, it's a very troubling, troubling thing going on down there in Fort Worth. I I think they'll right the ship. They'll, you know, they'll still probably go six and six, um, but it, it, things are not looking great right there right now. Um, in a year where a lot of people thought they were going to be a, a sneaky good team, so never 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 good when it's you've got multiple back to back years of uh, troubling football. The Arkansas Razorbacks, Woo Pig Suey 20, Texas A&M 10. The Hogs take down an Aggies team. They now run the state of Texas, Pierce, with both wins over Texas and Texas A&M. Some people had Texas A&M favored to win the West. I might have been somebody who thought that Texas A&M had a shot. I don't know if I necessarily had them winning the West, but I certainly thought they had a shot. And they may may still have a chance to give Alabama a run for their money. Um, But... Sam Pittman's got something great going there uh, with the Pigs. K.J. Jefferson got hurt, but not before throwing for over 200 yards and a pair of touchdowns. Malik Hornsby then comes in off the bench to finish it off. The Aggies continue to look shaky with Zach Calzada at the helm. But the real story is the Razorbacks, who are in the front end of a gauntlet schedule, so they still have to take on Georgia in Athens. Uh, Then I believe they go straight to Alabama, though I could be making that up. And they got Ole Miss coming up soon, too. But they haven't had this much success in years, if not decades. Pittman's got the team bought in. Uh, He's got a lot of super seniors who took advantage of the COVID uh, eligibility rules. Um, And he's got maybe the two best coordinators in uh, college football. And he's got something potentially really special go in there in Fayetteville. Now, they could lose the next three for all we know. And it it could be the end of the, the, you know, crazy hype era um with the Razorbacks but for right now it's really fun uh to to be an Arkansas fan I'm sure of that my bragger of the game Traylon Burks wide receiver for Arkansas had six catches for 167 yards and one touchdown good on him like I said even though the score was 20 to 10 this one was not even really close Sam Pittman and company were ready they got it done meanwhile Texas A&M looked ill-prepared at best 
uh, not a good showing for them. So break this one down for us, Pierce. Uh, we'll get into Arkansas and Georgia, obviously, next week, uh, or we'll get into the next podcast for next week. Uh, but but it, all of a sudden, that game, which would have potentially been one that's like, yeah, it's Arkansas, no big deal, is is the game of the weekend. So uh, let me let me hear your thoughts on this game. Uh, another frustrating one for for my picks uh, going A and M. In fact, I, I thought this was. This was probably my favorite pick of the weekend, um, believe it or not. I just, you know, listen, in the Arkansas-Texas game, I, I you, you kind of knew it was coming there. You knew Arkansas was going to be more physical on the lines of scrimmage and be able to win up front, and that's a major ordeal in winning football games. And this is this is a what I thought was a step up in class. And to be quite honest with you, I'm not sure if, you know, we're – properly rating a and I, 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 I have not seen much or enough from them to keep them, even with this loss, keep them in that top 10 group, in my opinion. Yes, they're probably 10 or right around there, but I don't know. They, I think they're looking at three losses maybe this year. Um, they, they can't score the football. And when their defense comes out and, and, and doesn't look like the elite top five defense that I think people thought they would be, you know, that's 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 not not great. And and they've got real issues on the offensive side of the football. Um, this Calzada kid is just it's clear he is not the job, not the guy for the job. I don't even think Haynes King is. Um, I, I and, and I heard some some AM fans for the first time today mention, um, man, how much they miss Kellen Mond. And I kind of thought that was funny when Kellen Mond left and Haynes King won the job. And woo, you heard all over over Twitter about, oh, the. The, the air of Haynes King. Oh, we love it. Yeah. Woo. Well, I'm sure you, I'm sure you're missing Kellamon now, who was a very solid uh, athlete and, and quarterback back there and, and somebody who could pick up some difficult yards on the ground. And Calzada is athletic, but does not, does not want to run the football. He just doesn't. And it's clear his touch is not there with his passes. I mean, he's throwing, you know, four yard out routes and, and, and swing passes and slant passes as hard as he possibly can. And, you got to do that in spots. I know that's not why they lost the game, but boy, he is very unpolished and, and just does not look comfortable out there. And, uh, but, but boy, this Arkansas defense, it's going to be fun to see next week, how they, how they hold up against Georgia because they are, um, they fly to the football. They play very physical. Um, I'm not sure if they quite have the size and the total speed um, as some of the elite defenses, but man, they buy in and they, they, they play their tails off. And, when you can get some production through the air, in particular with KJ Jefferson, um, you have a recipe to go out and beat a lot of good teams. Um, now, a couple things to keep in mind or keep an eye keep an eye on um, the receiver you mentioned, Traylon Burks. I'm not sure his status. He did go out of the game at one point late in the game in the fourth quarter. Sometime, I'm not sure he returned. Um, so that would certainly be bad news for them. Hope that he is back for next week's game, as well as KJ Jefferson got hurt. Um, he got hurt and had to go back in the locker room. He came out and went back in the game, but boy, he was, he was hobbled and he was very one dimensional to the point where it, 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 they needed to take him out. It was that, it was that rough. Um, and when KJ Jefferson can't, can't, can't use his legs, he's a lot less productive. So, uh, let's hope he is back, to, back to full strength and healthy to go next week as well. Uh, but give kudos to, to Sam Pittman and this Arkansas team. Boy, they've, they are. They're the they're the darlings, I think, right now of college football, and uh, good for them because a lot of people thought uh, in the me- national media thought they might be a dying program. So Sam Pittman got them got them relevant again. 
Yeah, and all those people who said that uh, that was the worst hire a couple years ago, he's looking to be the best at this point. The Baylor Bears, 31, Iowa State, 29. Baylor holds off a comeback attempt from the Cyclones at home to improve to 4-0 and on the season. Iowa State, on the other hand, 2-2 two and two, uh, after some high hopes that they thought they were going to have for this 2021 affair. The, uh, the difference here, Pierce, was a failed two-point conversion. Uh, the Cyclones' disappointing season continues, like I said, despite a great day offensively, at least stat-wise, if not uh, on the scoreboard. Baylor now is in a decent spot in an iffy Big 12. Uh, you know, they haven't necessarily seen all the big dogs yet. We'll see how that goes down the stretch. But Iowa State uh, going to be looking to stop the bleeding as they continue Big 12 play. Uh, but you got to be feeling good if you're Baylor here. Uh, we already kind of talked about it. Texas looks like, eh, who knows what they're going to get. Great offensively sometimes, but then, you know, again, then again, they're going to be able to, you know, you're going to be able to put some yards up against them. Uh, Oklahoma struggled. We'll get into that one in a little bit. Uh, TCU is struggling. So Baylor, the door's wide open for them. Brock Purdy and Brees Hall just, though, are not uh, impressing after a lot of, uh, of a great reputation for the tandem headed into this season. My bragger of the game is Treston Ebner. Uh, he is a kick returner for the Baylor Bears. He returned a 90-yard kickoff for a touchdown and then had a 41-yard return to set up a crucial field goal for the Bears to help set them up to win. Nothing explosive here. It's not that they blew them out, but enough to get it done. Uh, like I said, in a year like 2021, you'll take it. Lots of chaos on the board, and Baylor squeaks one out at home. What were your thoughts as the resident Big 12 guy? Another game where uh, the team that I thought moved the ball better and 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 maybe, you know, and not maybe they 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 should have won the game. Uh, just just couldn't make the plays necessary. And 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 another game that that you know, as a result is a is a is a, an upset and a shocker. Um, I think a lot of people wrote Baylor off this year. Um, and 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 you're right, they do look like they might be able to take advantage of what look, seemingly looks like a down year for the big 12. And I'm not saying when, but, but potentially move up there into the top three, but when all is said and done in the big 12, if they can keep this up, uh, listen, the difference was the big, was the Bimba don't break Bimba don't break. Um, obviously Iowa state had some miscues for, and for a team like that, that's just inexcusable, but Baylor had a great Bimba don't break defense. And, and, you know, those three field goals, one of those ends up being a touchdown. That's the difference in the ball game. So, um, Iowa State's inability on those three drives to to capitalize with a touchdown really, really cost them this game. Um, they did have that one pick, uh, but they they outscored and, and really played better than in most areas than Baylor. But Baylor was the opportunistic team and and made the plays when it counted. So Baylor sneaks away with the victory, and boy, Iowa State a uh, big falling from grace for them after last year and what people thought coming into this year. They certainly don't look. Uh, like even a top four team in the Big 12. NC State with a shocker winning against Clemson at 27 to 21. The Wolfpack breaks a streak of eight straight losses to the Tigers. Clemson, woof, struggling this year. Some are saying this is a testament, Pierce, to the lack of, uh, you know, band aid like phenom players 
like Trevor Lawrence that they've had in the past who were able to make up for weaknesses in their team, like the line, as we're seeing right now with DJ Uyunglele not being able to really have time uh, to let the play develop. Uh, you know, we saw it with Georgia. He was getting sacked like crazy. He can't run the ball. He's he's a big, big old man. He should be able to run the ball. He cannot. Uh, he can cannot. <laughs> NC State stormed the field afterwards. Good for them. A sense of relief to get one against a team they previously have only beaten one time. I think they've played like 16 times, and NC State has only won one. So, uh, you know, it's just one of those years. Clemson's on a down year. NC State's got a decent team. They get it done at home. Clemson's out. They're done. They will not make the playoff, I don't believe, unless something crazy happens. Uh, so now you got to start just looking towards 2022 and, uh, you know, trying to get a good recruiting class. Um, my bragger of the week in this one, Pierce, is Emeka Amezi. I think I'm saying that right. He wide receiver for NC State, had 14 catches for 116 yards and one touchdown. Um, I mean, again, like I said, Clemson, you're donezo. That's it. Pack it up. You, you cannot make the playoffs this year. Uh, you're going to be looking towards uh, the 2022 season, which is really bad news for the ACC. Uh, I heard on a podcast I was listening to that uh, I, I don't know what, if it was ESPN radio or something like that. I think it was Aaron Murray talking about it. Um, he heard on the radio that, uh, you know, some ACC guys were talking about how their best bet right now to get somebody in the playoff was Wake Forest. So really bleak right now for that conference. You, you're, you're pretty much done. You're not getting anybody in. Um, you know, hey, and, and for for a conference that's used to having every other year, every third year, Clemson win a national championship, not not great for them. So opens up the door, obviously, for the SEC to potentially get two teams in. Maybe the Big Ten's looking, maybe get uh, a t- two teams in. Um, but all in all, a bad showing for Clemson and NC State. Good on them. What you think about this one? The lack of offense for Clemson. I mean, it's it's as simple as that. Uh, when you when you look at just some of the baseline stats here. 10 first downs for for Clemson compared to NC State's 31. 2 of 11 for Clemson on third down efficiency. Only 214 yards of total offense. I mean, this has to be one of the biggest drop-offs of any upper echelon program from from one statistical side of the ball that maybe I've ever seen. I mean, it is that shocking. And, And to be quite honest with you, Yes, you know, if you get a Trevor Lawrence in here, a, a guy of that magnitude, yeah, you're going to win a few more games. It's a totally different issue, though, with this squad. They have a lot to address, a lot. It starts on the offensive line. I think they need a, a um, a, a, certainly need a, a, another running back, um, and I think more of a workhorse-type running back. I think Will Shipley is uh, a good little change of pace back. Um, I, do not, I do not know if he'll develop into – the uh, the solo number one carry the ball twenty five times a game type of guy he did get dinged up in this one late in the game, um, and then you know they got they got to find some um, some weapons on the wide receiver spots. I mean, simply put, they don't have anybody out there, and and they're missing that slot guy that has really uh, kind of been a, a staple of their offense over the years, and and you knew this was going to come when the defense just realizes they can't do it all, and and they start getting scored on even if it's not in, in bunches, this offense just can't put up more than, you know, seven, 14 to 17 points. It just can't. And uh, that's a, that's a major problem. And, and Dabo's going to be, whoo, Dabo's going to be feet, not feeling it like on the hot seat, but he's going to be getting ripped this entire season and all on next season. It's already he's happening. Got a lot to, I know, I know, but it's going to get way worse. And he has a lot to get figured out on the offensive side of the football. So, 
Um, I'm not sure if he can do it overnight. Uh, so that'll be a big storyline this offseason. Boy, I, I think Clemson's got four losses in their in their the rest of the season, maybe even more. I believe they're overreactions, but yeah, to your point, we're already starting to see people in message boards saying stuff like, you know, Clemson message boards saying, well, maybe it's time for Dabo to go and things of that nature. That's crazy talk. I mean, look at these teams that have made that change um, and, and are struggling to find their footing. Just look at Tennessee. They can't keep a coach and then, you know, they keep turning talent over. You've got a coach who's winning national championships. It's a down year, but you, you, you chill out. <laughs> I think Dabo's still the guy there uh, in Clemson, but wow meltdown there for the Tigers. Michigan 20, Rutgers 13. I tweeted out, Pierce, hey, Tennessee, remember when you uh, didn't want to hire Greg Schiano? He has this Rutgers team believing. Now, they lost this one, but to keep close versus Michigan team that's had some pretty good games so far, who knows by the end of the season, we might look back and say, well, Michigan stinks. Um, but Rutgers, their first loss of the season, putting in a pretty good showing in the big house. The Wolverines, in fact, were held scoreless in the second half and had to hold off a Scarlet Knights comeback. This was almost an upset in this one. Uh, it could be, like I said, exposing the inevitable that Michigan isn't as good as their previous games had suggested, or perhaps Rutgers is building something with Shiano back in town. But Jim Harbaugh and company won, and that is sometimes all it takes Things are only going to get harder for them from here. So I'm a little bit nervous for the Wolverines after with some optimism to start the season. My bragger of the game, though, is Michigan's defense, who stopped Rutgers on four, um, on three four-down attempts. Sorry, I was stumbling over my stat there. I, I'm a little bit uh, – numbers got jumbled. They had um, four fourth-down conversion attempts. Michigan stops them on three, and that's as good as a turnover uh, you, you've got to have those kinds of things to get it done, especially in a tight one like this, and it pushes the Wolverines to victory. Cade McNamara never really found his footing after having some pretty good showing so far this season. So, again, like I said, I can't tell if this is Rutgers is doing really well this season or if this is Michigan's you know, in for a world of hurt when they start playing the Penn States and Ohio States of the world. But nonetheless, they do squeak one out at home. Give us your analysis of this one, Pierce, maybe you can uh, shed some light on whether or not it's a uh, Rutgers is potentially good or Michigan is potentially bad situation. Well, if you listened to last week uh, and, and thank goodness, cause it was few and far between, this was the one game where that I pretty much locked in on. I, I, I pretty much broke it down perfectly for y'all. Um, my big thing was when you got a guy like Shiano and you got a solid team like Rutgers. Listen, they're no world beaters, but Rutgers does have a solid team. I think they'll, I think they'll probably get to six wins this year and 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 make a bowl game. Um, you know, we'll see. They have the potential to maybe sneak up on a guy uh, on a team or two and maybe get to seven. Um, but they're they're a much improved team and they're they're an older team. They got a lot of transfers in Shiano's first year. I think a lot of them came back. But Shiano knew what 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 the game plan was defensively for this Rutgers team. It was to go in and to pretty much sell out on the run. You had to stop the run first and foremost. This Michigan team has had success on the ground um, in, in every game thus far. And McNamara just hasn't shown enough to where the, when the games, when, when everything's put on his shoulders, he can go out there and just kind of take over a ball game. Um, the run is what, what allows this Michigan team to go. And uh, Rutgers was able to key in on that, no, no surprise, and really do a good job of limiting them to their big home run type of runs. Um, when when both their start, when both their top running backs, you know, averaged less than four yards carry, 
Um, in fact, less than three and a half yards carry. That's that's a good, good recipe to hang close. Um, Rutgers couldn't do quite enough. Uh, it, it, it was, I think a lot of Michigan fans were, were pretty nervous coming down the stretch. Uh, but Michigan squeaks this one out in uh, in a close one and certainly one where maybe maybe I will say this. I don't think Michigan is a, a top team in the Big t- uh, Ten this year. I just I don't I just don't. I think they'll lose two games this year, maybe maybe three, but probably two is kind of where I'm sitting, which will be a big jump up. Uh, however, I think you're going to see that they're very limited when they can't run the football effectively um, and, and they have to rely on throwing the football, especially with Ronnie Bell there superstar wide receiver out going down with an ACL in week one this year. I just don't think they have the explosiveness there, explosiveness there, nor the consistency to, uh, to go out and beat teams within a high scoring affair. So um, Michigan gets it done. Maybe in years past, they don't uh, in this type of game, but they squeak one out uh, despite not having their best effort. UCLA 35 Stanford 24, the Bruins' offense keeps rolling with good showings from both Dorian Thompson-Robinson and Zach Charbonnet again this last week. The Pac-12 also looks wide open. Another conference that, you know, hey, maybe Oregon's going to run away with it, but perhaps somebody could upset them. With the way UCLA is playing, though, Pierce, they could be a major player for the Pac-12 title, if not, I mean, at the very least, the South, but who knows, maybe the whole kit and caboodle. They did lose to Fresno State last week. That won't affect them in conference play, uh, but we were kind of like, oh, well, there we go. Here it begins. But Fresno State's good this year. UCLA is also good um, Look from the looks of it, uh, and they get it done versus Stanford. I mean, perhaps this turns up the heat a little bit on David Shaw's seat. Uh, you know, he had a little bit of simmering going on before the season. I think you maybe start seeing that dialed up, and it could be one of those quiet coach firings where there's not a lot of fanfare around. It's just kind of like, a, you know, a Friday news dump after the season's over, uh, maybe before bowl season starts. David Shaw's no longer with the Stanford Cardinal program. Uh, who knows? The interesting thing here, Pierce, and I guess I didn't realize this, it was Stanford's first game back at home in eight matchups. They had a lot of issues getting uh, on the field with COVID uh, last year. And then uh, I believe there was some kind of thing that displaced, or it was a, or it was just a stacked road game, a road uh, situation to start the season. So first game back in eight games and they lose this one by 11 points. My bragger of the week is Kyle Phillips, wide receiver for UCLA, five catches for 120 yards and two touchdowns. I weren't really re- receiver heavy this week. Pierce, uh, I usually am pretty quarterback heavy, but no running backs really popped off for me. Defenses were okay, but receivers had a pretty good week, and he was one of them. And like I said, Chip Kelly, he he, he changed that visor. I'm not the first one to have said it. He changed that visor, and things got good in L.A. Uh, he's building a little bit of what he had with Oregon, so we'll see if maybe – he uh, meets his former team in the Pac-12 championship. But uh, right now, UCLA looks pretty good in a conference that's not very good. So what were your thoughts on this one? Uh, yeah, simply put, UCLA was able to win on the line of scrimmage. And and that was, I mean, that's going to get it done. Listen, they, the Charbonnet has been a big, big pickup for them. No, no doubt about it. He is really controlling... Um, the game with just just the running ability, and when Chip Kelly has that, as do most most coaches, that's that's a great recipe to win, and that's simply how they got it done here. Really didn't have to ask uh, DTR Darian Thompson Robinson to do a whole heck of a lot. Just go out there and be efficient and not turn the ball over, and he did that. Um, you know, Charbonnet went for one eighteen, uh, five point one a carry. 
that's that's solid stuff. And then you know you're going to get some output from Dorian Thompson Robinson and some others. Um, and Stanford just you know they just struggle to when when they're in a shootout they they really struggle to do anything to keep up. Um, you know McKee did have a solid game. Um, three TDs, zero picks, 293 yards. But when a Stanford team is throwing it 32 times a game, it's probably because they're down and they're trying to come back because uh, Stanford is predicated on the run as well as UCLA, and uh, they, they couldn't get anything going on the ground. And getting behind early had to uh, had to play catch-up. So not surprised by this game. UCLA went out there and just handled business um, as I kind of thought they would. Uh, and, and I don't think this is a terrible loss for Stanford. I think UCLA is one of the top two teams in the Pac-12, um, probably just only behind Oregon. And uh, I think you'll continue to see that throughout the rest of the season. So I'm not, uh, you know, I think I think I think Shaw has done enough the last two weeks to keep his job. You know, I don't think they've made a decision yet, um, but certainly, uh, you know, there's there's more games to be played. So we'll see if this uh, if David Shaw's team plays more like the last two weeks or the first two weeks plus the UCLA game. So a lot of, I, I think, still question marks on, on both these teams as what we're getting moving forward. Last but not least, Oklahoma 16, West Virginia 13. Things are not all right in Norman. Despite the win, a shaky day from Spencer Rattler heard Sooner fans calling for the backup, saying we want Caleb not a good look for the Sooner fans there. Oklahoma has had a weak offense in years, or sorry, defense in years past, but this is not the issue this year. They held the Mountaineers to only 62 yards in the second half. It's offensively where usually they're able to just put up tons of yards and tons of points that it's not getting it done. Uh, that being said, Pierce, my bragger of the week is Gabe, and I'm going to butcher this last name because it's a lot of owls. Burkich. Burkich? B-R-K- I think it's Burkich. Burkich. B-R-K-I-C. Pronounce that. Thank you. Uh, he was three for three on his field goal attempts. Nothing to write home about, but he did have a walk off to win the game. And in a day where there's not a ton to write home about offensively, he saves his Oklahoma team from just absolute catastrophe. They're still right now, you know, uh, playing for the playoffs, but I do not like this team at all. Um, and it's, you know, if they lose even one, I think that the, the committee is going to look for a reason to keep them out of it. Uh, I know a lot of people were high on them to potentially win the whole kit and caboodle this year. That's not going to happen. Uh, and who knows if Spencer Rattler even makes it out of this one alive. A potential Heisman favorite at the beginning of the season. Um, things are not all right, like I said, in Norman. Um, hey, maybe, maybe, maybe there's been a lot of rumors about Lincoln Riley making a jump to the pros. If they don't have a good showing here, maybe if you really think that's going to happen, this would be the year that it does. But uh, all in all, not a good look for them. You hate it for West Virginia to go in there. You'd love for them to get that upset. Um, but it doesn't happen. Oklahoma staves off absolute catastrophe and gets it done at home. Take us home with this last analysis of what you thought about this game. It's it's bad. It's bad. It's bad in Norman right now. It's uh, they they don't have that that crazy high octane prolific style of offense this year, and uh, I think there are a few reasons why. But clearly, the 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 fans are um, clamoring for some sort of change because they're not used to this. So um, I, I I don't know whether that's fair or unfair. Uh, uh, I don't, I'm not sure where I sit right now. I, I did make the prediction that uh, going into last week that Caleb Williams would be the starter at some point this season. Um, but listen, I, I think it's more than that for this Oklahoma team. If you look back in years past, they've always had that one or two 
go-to tight end or go-to receiver. And I just don't think you're seeing that. I just don't think this team has that this year. Um, and then maybe the biggest thing for them is when an Oklahoma team, and I know you're, t- you're used to seeing Oklahoma go out and throw the ball over the yard and do whatever they want, but when you can't run the ball for more than 50 yards in a game, I mean, what are you doing? And and especially Oklahoma, when they've had success in the past, yeah, you think of them more of as a pass-first type of offense. They always have a guy or two that can that can get the job done and can, you know, every given week they, they could go out one their first or second string could go out and get 100 yards. And, I mean, when you've got uh, uh, your, your supposed ace in the hole at the running back spot, it's only going for 38 yards. And then the second guy with the second most carries is only getting 17. That, I mean, that's just not a recipe to win. You're putting too much stress on that passing game. When, when, when the defense knows what you're doing now and you don't have, a, you know, the best quarterback in the world and, and the best weapons on the outside, all the defense is doing is pinning their ears back and coming at the quarterback. And that's a stressful, tough spot to put your quarterback in in the first place. Um, you know, a little bit better defensive performance by Oklahoma. I think that's a little bit something that you can maybe, you know, take some some pride in this win, albeit a close one, is is the defense looked solid. Um, really, really kind of flustered West Virginia from the get-go, other than that first touchdown in the first quarter. Um, but boy, yeah, we'll see how things go for this Oklahoma team, but they haven't shown signs that they can pull away kind of like an A&M, like a Clemson. Certainly they haven't shown that they can go out and be, you know, blow out these teams that they ought to win and win by, you know, a couple touchdowns. They haven't shown that. And when you're in a lot of dog fights, you always have a chance to lose. And that's always a scary predicament to be in. So Oklahoma's another team. Maybe they're next. Maybe they're, uh, they're, they'll follow up in the footsteps of, Texas A&M, Clemson, and o- and and uh, Ohio State. Maybe they are the next next big domino to fall. Um, but a win is a win, and uh, especially West Virginia is nobody to uh, to scoff at as far as opponent wise. So Oklahoma sneaks it out. We'll we'll see. It's it's not it's it's not trending well over there in Norman though. I'll I'll, I'll give you that. It is not. They're not the only team in the nation where it is not trending well. But we'll have to see what the uh, the rest of the year has in store for us. We'll be back here in uh, about a day. Kind of, kind of depends how my editing goes uh, over the next few hours. But um, we'll be back here in just a short while with our preview of Week Five. I am already licking my chops to get going on that one and look at it because it's going to be an absolutely salivating slate for us. Um, I will be in Athens for the just criminal early kick against Arkansas. That is going to be a fun one for sure. Uh, so if you're not following us on social media, this is my, this is my plug. This is the time to do it. Pierce has been tweeting. He's been stepping up and, and really tweeting some good insights during games. Those are really fun to follow along with. I'd love to see you potentially Pierce start giving some, uh, some like, you know, in game type gambling suggestions. That would be kind of fun. Um, also we are on Instagram. Both of those handles are at bragging pod. That's bragging without the G Wherever you are listening to us, make sure you are following us, subscribed, whatever verbiage your favorite podcast supplier uses. Rate us, uh, give us a thumbs up, all of those types of things. Just give us some love. We love to uh, we love to see it, and we appreciate you being along for the ride. So, without further ado, I'm going to wrap this one up. We'll be back here, like I said, in just a little bit with the preview podcast. But until then, I'm Addison, and I'm Pierce. Stay blessed, y'all.